0: This is episode number forty seven with the founder and CEO of ISI Elite Training, Adam Rice. Welcome to the Path to Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. Before we drop into the episode, a quick message from our sponsor, 919 Marketing. I've worked with 919 Marketing for years and there's no one I trust more with my marketing needs in any of our businesses. I've worked with them in our franchise businesses, in my consulting business. I've worked with them on the or side and I love working with 919 because they take the time to listen. They take the time to understand what it is I'm looking to accomplish through my marketing who I'm trying to reach, and then they help me put a plan together to do just that. I've worked with tons of marketing companies over the years, and too often, it's a one-size-fits-all approach, but not with 919 Marketing. In addition to that, they've developed some amazing technology called 919 Insights, franchising's first and only AI-powered analytics platform. With 919 Insights in place, 919 marketing can identify the exact topics that matter to your franchise candidates and provide the specific roadmap to help your brand become the highest ranking and most trusted resource when they're searching for answers. So if you're ready to start getting better results from your marketing, and if you want a free demo of 919 insights, reach out to Graham Chapman at 919-459-8157 or send them an email at g. Chapman at 919marketing.com to schedule your free demo today. So, whether you're a franchisor, a franchisee, or just getting started in your first franchise business, make sure to check out 919 Marketing and tell them West Barefoot sent you. Now, let's drop into the episode. Got a great episode for everyone today. My guest, Adam Rice, is the CEO and founder of ISI Elite Training. And probably one of my favorite conversations I've had on the podcast yet. Talking to Adam, it's very clear how passionate he is about building the company that he's building and everything that goes into that. Adam shares the story of how he got started as an entrepreneur and started building what is now ISI Elite Training, which is well on its way to becoming a national fitness franchise that focuses on functional training and helping people train like high-performing athletes. Adam shares how he's had several of what he calls defining moments throughout his life where he's had to make a decision to go all in. And once he's decided to go all in, he's got to take action swiftly. And I think that's a great lesson for any entrepreneur out there, any aspiring entrepreneur. It's what I talk about so much here on the podcast of how we have to just drop in and fully commit. Adam shares several examples of how he's done that and how it's led to the success that he's had thus far. Adam also talks about how he's very intentional about the culture that he's building within ISI Elite Training and why that's so important. So this is an episode that's jam-packed full of great information, great advice that Adam shares, and it's clear to me, and I know it'll be clear to you in listening to Adam, this is a guy that's very passionate about his business, about his family and living life without regrets. So with that, let's go ahead and drop in with Adam Rice. This is one I've been looking forward to for a while, and uh, I know Adam is a very busy guy because ISI is growing like crazy right now. So Adam, thanks so much for taking some time to drop into the Path to Freedom podcast with me, man.
1: Yeah, man. Looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, this is going to be fun. So, hey man, for those that may not be familiar with uh, you or your company, ISI Elite Training, tell us a little bit about yourself and also the business and then definitely want to hear, you know, your story, your journey, uh, how you've gotten your business to where it is today.
1: So, (laughs) at Discovery Day, I, I share a lot about, you know, when this brand started and I go back and, you know, technically it started in 2013 when we opened our first location. But I go back to um, when I was 16 years old and I was a fat, overweight kid. And I'm like, that's really the moment this brand started. And so um, I was at, a, uh, I was at a, <laughs> a baseball camp at the University of Iowa and was about 270 pounds. Wow. Was, was a, yeah, was, was a talented baseball player, led the state in 4A, uh, should have been based on my stats, should have been getting college scholarships left and right. Uh, but nothing, nothing from division three, nothing from division two, nothing from junior college. Wow. And so I go, I go to this camp and, and the coach pulls me aside and pretty much tells me, hey, you're never going to play at division one level um, because you're too fat. But said it in a nice way. Said, sure. I think it, the wording was I was a liability on the base pass. <laughs> that is is a nicer way of saying it but you get the gist yeah yeah so I I remember going home that night and I was like man at 16 I'm like I can let this fuel me or I can Mm -hmm. let it defeat me and it was like that defining moment so it was the next day I started YouTubing and this was back in I think 2000 and this would have been 2005 yeah started YouTubing how do I get faster? How do I lose weight? And really over the next six months, went on to lose 70 pounds uh, wow. just from, yeah, working out every morning, every night. And it transformed my life from going be this overweight kid to now, you know, girls were liking me. I'm like, man, this is awesome. Yeah, this um, isn't so bad. Yeah, yeah. But but more importantly, I had, uh, had the opportunity to go play at a junior college for a year in Chicago, and then went on to play division one baseball for three years, played in the Cape Cod league and had a really good um, division one baseball career. Where'd you play? I played at coastal. Yep. So right, right, right down the road from you. Myrtle beach. Yep. 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 So right after I played baseball through college, I knew I wanted to do something in, in fitness and I was always entrepreneurial growing up. Um, but it it was right after college I had to get a internship still as you as you know to get your degree yep and so there was an anytime fitness that was really close to the campus of coastal Carolina I went in there I'm like hey guys like I'll pay you $800 a month if you let me start your personal training department and by the way like I need this I need you to sign off for an internship no way yeah so I went in there I I didn't have $800 Um, I was kind of just betting on myself though and ended up, it was within that internship. By the end of it, I had two guys working for me, generating like $24,000 a month. No way. Yeah. And so I was like, ah, oh, well, I think I can do this. So I uh, went and opened my own little personal training studio called Beach Body Fitness. Okay. Um, right after that, at the age of 21. And uh, two years into it, I get a, a letter from a lawyer <laughs> in Philadelphia. It, from Beachbody Fitness. Who I was is just like thinking
0: in, uh, Beachbody that's that's uh, a well-known
1: name. Yeah yeah so at 21 you don't know anything about trademarks or IP sure. or anything like that. Yeah so they, they essentially said hey you got to change your name um, it, and as for for people that don't know they're the ones that own P90X and Sanity and all of that and so yep. it was at that moment really um where where ISI was born and the the name from ISI so I know I had to change the name with my wife we're at service at, at church that it was about a week later and the whole sermon was on iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another Proverbs twenty seven seventeen and I'm like man it's exactly what I want this fitness community to be like and so yeah. it's like not only are we do we make each other stronger when we're around each other pushing each other holding each other accountable but ultimately you can't sharpen iron without friction and yeah. so no matter to what height we want to go, whether it's we want to open a business or whether it's we want to go to the next level, there's always going to be a level of resistance, and we never arrive. And so, that was really the mindset for our culture and and what we wanted to develop. And so that's that's where the name ISI comes from. Yeah, I love what
0: the brand stands for, and uh, you know, was hoping you would share some of that with us because I think it's powerful. I mean, it's it's so much more than you know, just a workout, right? I mean, it's really a community that you're building. And so, yeah, I just, I I really like what the brand stands for. And, and it's such a cool story, you know, of, of how you got started. And, you know, I want to circle back to something that you mentioned earlier, you know, where you said you had this kind of defining moment, you know, after this coach pulled you aside and, you know, you said, I can either let this fuel me or I can let it defeat me. So thinking back on that now, I mean, at that time, did you realize that that was a defining moment for you? Or is that just something that you've kind of realized, you know, in hindsight, as you look back on it?
1: Yeah, I think 100% hindsight. And and it's, it's funny, because you, you have these moments, you know, whether it's you deciding what you're doing now, like there was a, a defining moment that you had to go all in on, yeah. on doing this, you know, or whether it's us starting ISI or there's these defining moments to where we look back many years later and it's like, man, like my life would look radically different today if I had made an opposite decision. Good and bad, right? Sure.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I, uh, one of my kind of, uh, you know, themes of the podcast is drop in and, and that's in my mind how I think about it. You know, when we have these defining moments, we have these big decisions to make. There's usually friction involved. There's usually a lot of getting outside of your comfort zone, which is, you know, how we grow. But, you know, when you get to that point, what I call FUD, right, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt always starts, you know, kicking in. Our mind starts playing tricks on us. And, you know, you have to just dig deep within yourself and make a decision. And, and so I think of it as dropping in, you know, and that's yeah. that that kind of commitment. So So when you had this defining moment when you were 16, did that decision to let what the coach – told you to let it fuel you instead of defeat you do you think that just kind of came naturally to you or was that was that something that you really had to wrestle with for a while before you made up your mind that you were gonna let it fuel you
1: yeah I mean I think it's you get down to like when you think about it again like 20 years later now it's like it's gonna sound weird but it's kind of down to like love languages and You know, you had you need this need for like one of the love languages, um, essentially appreciation or mm-hmm. acceptance and, and whatnot. So it was this thing It was, in that moment, I look back at it now and it, it it was, it was this thing that was like, I made the decision and I, and that's how I am. Like, I just make a decision and I go and I go yeah. fast. Yeah. Um, and I don't think, I don't think twice about it. So it was not something I had to like kick around at the age of 16. and you know this is something that i preach to to the younger kids now is don't make decisions based on trying to prove someone wrong mm. but if i look back that's what i was trying to do yeah. was to prove him wrong <laughs> i cared more about proving him wrong than i did for my own future yeah um, you know by god's grace i think it it just worked out <laughs> sure i mean it, like you said it was fuel and and that's what you needed to flip the
0: switch mentally right. and then go all in and and i think that's you know a common thread amongst most entrepreneurs is you know once they make a decision they don't look back and then they they move pretty quick and and really i think it's necessary and you know here in a minute i'd love to have you you know share some examples from you know your journey thus far as an entrepreneur and some of the challenges that you've overcome but you know first i'd like to you know have you tell a little bit more of you know how ISI's grown into what it is today. So, you know, you started what was uh, Beachbody uh, and then changed the name to ISI. And I mean, first of all, that that must have been a pretty good sign that you were on to something if you, you know, popped on to uh, the other bigger Beachbody's radar to the point right. where they had to, you know, send you a letter to change your name. I mean, if you weren't, you know, doing something, they would have probably never even noticed you. So I would imagine right. that was... In, in a way, a good indication that you were on to something. So, you rebrand as ISI. At that point, you still just have the one location? Yes,
1: yeah, so we actually moved. When we rebranded, we moved into a, a bigger footprint. Um, okay. It was a 10,000 square foot building at okay. that time. And this is all
0: in Myrtle Beach still? It that is. That area? Yeah.
1: Okay. Yep. And so, long story short, I'm, again, like an entrepreneur at heart. So, at the same time that I have my beach body, location. I actually opened a sports bar at the age of 23. Okay, Not a good combination. Um, <laughs> it's like do yeah. squats then go get margaritas. Yeah right. Um, so anyways it, it, it was like a I decided to, to close the sports bar sell it and then we relocated into this this big footprint and went all in on on ISI and you know from 2000 it was really 2013 is when our first ISI location was open. Okay. Um, to 2015, failed a lot. Like mm-hmm. just starting to to get in the trenches of what it looks like to run a facility, to be a leader, to do all of these things. Uh, had a lot of staff turnover and and couldn't figure it out. Um, finally, started to realize that I was my own hindrance and mm-hmm. through that, and started to really dive into leadership and how to lead people, how to lead an organization, how to cast vision, how to do all of these things. And so we went and. Really, over the next three years, we opened five locations across wow. what is the Grand Strand in that area mm-hmm. um, So a ton of brand presence in in the Myrtle Beach area with five locations um, was on a vacation in my or not my in Maui, Hawaii with my wife in 2018 and we were sitting up on this cliff. It was at, at dinner. It was beautiful. And it was like right at six o'clock. Sun was setting. Mm. And I'm like, hey, like, where do you want to like raise our kids? And we had never talked about moving to Charlotte. Never. Not once. Did you guys said, have kids at that point? We had one. Okay. Yeah. We had one kid at that point. And she, I said, say on three. And we said, one, two, three. We both said, Charlotte. We're like, no okay. way. That's weird. Yeah. We've never talked about Charlotte. That's a sign. Yeah. So long story short, instead of flying back into Myrtle, we flew straight into Charlotte. I love it. Looked at houses, went back within 30 days, had five businesses and we owned a meal prep company as well (laughs) that we had to figure out, okay, how are we going to become passive owners in this? And within 30 days we were living in Charlotte and just figured it out because that's the one thing is like, naturally, you know, I talk with a lot of entrepreneurs and it's like, Hey, there's, there's phase one in starting your business. Then there's mm-hmm. phase two and a lot of entrepreneurs getting out of the the way of them, like where they are so handcuffed by their business. Yeah.
0: They're and the a, bottleneck. Decision.
1: Right, right. Exactly. And so long story short, we get up here in late 2018 and, uh, we, we build out in the Fort Mill area a prototype franchise model. So okay. smaller footprint, less equipment, rebranded everything. So this logo didn't exist before that. And, uh, and launched that, launched it successfully and started franchising in 2019. And then as, as we sit today here in early 2021, we've got 12 open and uh, 39 licenses awarded.
0: Yeah, it's awesome, man. That is just a rocket ship trajectory, especially, you know, considering a lot of that growth has happened during very uncertain economic times right. due to, you know, the pandemic and everything that's that's gone along with that. So, I mean, such, such a cool story. And, I mean, I, I love your example of, you know, flying straight from Maui to Charlotte instead of back to Myrtle Beach. I mean, it's just another example of, you know, once you make your mind up, you take action quickly. And again, I think that's so important for any entrepreneur out there, any aspiring entrepreneur. I mean, I I think the one, not the one, but one of the keys to being successful is just to take action. You know, you're never going to have all of the facts. You're never going to know exactly how the story ends, but you know, if you're willing to bet on yourself, which you have to be in order to be successful as an entrepreneur, then, you know, just taking those first steps is usually what you need to get some momentum. And you're going to make mistakes along the way. You just have to be willing to learn from those mistakes and, and be willing to pivot and change course when needed. So I, I think that's a nice little example, just reiterating, you know, how, how you've been able to do that. Uh, and how that's led to where you are today. So had, had you started talking about franchising the business before you decided to move to Charlotte? Or when, when did the idea to, to grow through franchising uh, come about?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I looked at it in 2016. I okay. decided like, hey, we're not even close to ready. Um, because again, I, was, I essentially took myself out and made myself a multi-unit passive owner. And I said, I have to do this to see the gaps so Without, I if yeah. I'm gonna sell this as a multi unit thing then i've got I've gotta do it first um, yeah because it's different when you're when you're there and you're in it every day to where hey now I live three hours away still have locations that, that are down there open um, but it, it you know we started kicking around the idea but never truly committed until we moved and okay. it was my so to Neil who's in the office behind me. She, she, uh, was my assistant starting out in, in Myrtle beach In her second day, or I'm sorry, in Fort mill when we got here. Okay. Second day, I was like, Hey, we're going to start franchising. (laughs) And we get on the phone with this. Like, she's like, all right. Like, I don't know anything about franchise. I'm like, yeah, me neither. Let's figure this thing out. Um, and this was in, you know, late, late 2018. Um, and now, I mean, she's, she leads the, Leads the side on the operations and um so but it's been cool and and the even crazier story with that is about a month into this I'm like I I go in the office one day me and my me and my wife were like let's go travel for 12 weeks and at that time we have two kids and uh I was like hey we're going on our RV for 13,000 miles over the next 13 weeks and we're going to do this at we're going to get through this FDD thing together. Like I'll work two to three hours a day. Um, So that's where the F the original FDD was built was taking an RV from Charlotte to New York, New York, all the way to Seattle, down the uh, the California coast and over. Um, So it was, it was a fun, it's a good story though.
0: That is a good story. And I think you being willing to kind of take yourself out of the day to day like you said so then you've got a different vantage point and you can see some of the holes you know in the model i think that's yeah. probably a big reason for why you guys have been as successful as you have been so quickly after cuz you know i think a lot of people if if they'd said hey i want to franchise my business like you said you started kind of thinking about it or looking at it in 2016 realized you weren't ready yep. and i see it all the time when franchisors or want to be franchisors that they don't realize they're not ready, or maybe they do, and they try to push forward anyways, and so you know what happens is their their growth is much slower, and they they have a lot more issues along the way. so I think you having right. the foresight to kind of say, "Look, before you know we're ready to think about franchising, like I need to figure out how to run this more passively myself, and the fact that you were then able to travel the country for thirteen weeks on an r v which is awesome in itself but that you were able to have all of your businesses running and operating while you were gone and start putting the framework for the franchise together. To me, that's a testament that you you were ready to start franchising at that right. point in time uh, because everything kept running while you weren't there. Um, and I think that's that's the biggest challenge for any entrepreneur. Like you said, step one is starting the business. A lot of people don't even get to that point because they can't get past you know, their own head trash and the the FUD, you know, the fear, the uncertainty, the doubt. Uh, there's yep. a million reasons not to to start a business, right? And usually you've got uh, plenty of people in your ear giving you reasons why not to do it instead of why you should do it. But assuming you get to that point, you know, scaling the business, that's, that's a whole another ballgame. And it usually involves really getting out of your comfort zone and removing yourself as a bottleneck. I mean, I, I send a copy of the E-Myth to everyone I work with that goes on to buy a franchise because I think it's necessary reading for any entrepreneur because it, it so clearly articulates, you know, why you have to remove yourself, work on your business, not in it, if you yeah. ever want to grow beyond a certain point. But I, I think the other thing that's a little bit counterintuitive, all this is like most people get into business for themselves because they won't more freedom, more flexibility, more control of their time. You know, obviously income is usually a factor, but then I see a lot of business owners that they try to do it all themselves once they're in business, they burn themselves out, they don't make nearly as much money as they could if they would, you know, actually do the the harder work, which is remove yourself a, a little bit from the business, and they don't have control of their time. Their, their business runs them instead of them running their business, so. Wes here, you may have noticed there's a franchising theme to this podcast and that's because franchising has had a massive impact on my life and it's the very reason I'm walking my own path to freedom. In fact, one of my companies is a franchise consulting company where I work with people to help them understand franchising and determine if it might be a good fit for them. And if it is something they want to explore, then I help them navigate the entire investigative process and ultimately find a franchise business that's a great match for them. You know, the fact of the matter is there are thousands and thousands of franchise businesses out there today. And like anything, there are good ones and there are bad ones. Even out of the many, many great franchise companies, not every one of them would necessarily be a good fit for you. You know, buying a franchise is a huge decision and you don't want to wing it. I've helped many people buy franchise businesses over the years, and my wife and I have bought and owned franchises today and we plan to keep investing in franchise businesses. I love helping people understand this process and help them find a business that's gonna be a great fit for them and help them accomplish their goals and ultimately create that freedom in their life that we're all looking for. The best part of all of this is that my services are free to the people I work with, and while I do love to contribute to charities and other great causes, I'm not a nonprofit. I'm compensated by the franchise companies I work with when I introduce them to someone that ends up becoming one of their franchisees. It's very similar to real estate, but with franchises. I have the privilege of working with hundreds and hundreds of the best franchise companies out there across practically every industry. So I can be absolutely confident that when I recommend someone to look at a franchise company, I'm introducing them to a very credible and proven company with a solid business model and great support. So if you think you might be interested in learning more about franchising and seeing if it might be right for you, I'd love to speak with you. Get in touch with me by email at wes at pathtofreedom.com, path, the number two, F-R-D-M.com. And also check out my website at pathtofreedom.com, spelled the same way, where I've got a ton of resources, both franchise and non-franchise related, that will help you start down your own path to freedom. And of course, subscribe to and follow the podcast for more great advice about business ownership. And if you know anyone else that might be interested in speaking with me, please share this podcast with them. Thanks for listening to my shameless plug. Now let's drop back into the episode. That might be a good segue into talking a little bit more about the the ISI franchise opportunity itself. So you mentioned earlier, you you kind of built this to be a a multi-unit opportunity. So, Talk to us a little bit about how the business model structured, maybe how it's different from some of the other fitness concepts out there, and also,
1: you know, what you're looking for in, in your franchisees. Yeah. So, I mean, everything you just talked about is what I go over in Discovery Day. I'm like, yeah. look, guys, like, let's be clear. And I don't, I don't think it's a normal approach, but, I, like, we look from, from any potential, like, it's a, it's a mutual evaluation, yep. right? Like we're we're looking to make sure that they're going to be good franchisees as well, but I'm very clear and upfront: is hey, if, if you're here to to buy yourself a job, then let's get very very clear on what that looks like. But I think ninety nine percent of you are here for freedom, yeah, and to build an asset and to build cash flow, and so let's be very very real and transparent what that looks like. Because the last thing we want is a bunch of people buying themselves a job. Like that's silly. Stay in corporate America, because exactly. like, you and it's not right. Stress, it's not right. Sure. Right? Exactly. You're gonna have more stress. You're gonna make less money. So if you're not willing to, if you're not willing to to have a greater vision of, you know, just simply buying yourself a job and I want to run run a gym. Well, go run a gym. That's <laughs> that you don't have to take risk on. Like exactly. Go run someone else's gym. Right. Yeah. Come run one of mine. I'll give you a job. There you go. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. You know, so it's, but we're having these conversations at Discovery Day because once they get in, like we hit the ground running and and it's, it's high level conversations about leadership and about vision. And it's, you know, when, when I, when I do validation calls, like my one thing with candidates is I want to know your vision. Yeah. Because when you get to discovery day, if your vision isn't big enough to where your team's vision can't fit inside of it, you're not going to scale. Period. Ooh, I like that. I like that. And so it's how we always teach them is how to, how to lead their teams is you have to, it's very easy to lead people when you know their vision. So whether it's yeah. a $10 an hour employee or whether it's the, the facility leader, you have to know their vision and, and then you're calling them instead of calling them out, you're calling them forward because you know their vision so you're partnering with them and getting to the next level and ascending to the next level rather than hey you're not doing your job it's hey you told me you wanted this and you're not doing x which is not going to get you to y and so you either need to to elevate to that next level but it's it becomes a partnership of leading them and so it's you know going off on a tangent there but it's very there was a lot of good nuggets in there keep rolling you know so Vision, vision, vision is everything, and and I think when you, exactly what you were talking about was, you know, understanding what it is that you truly, truly want, and that's another thing is I will literally at Discovery Day say, what is it? Why are you here? Like, what do you want? You know, and for different people, it's it's different, but sure. typically freedom. Yep. the name of your podcast is you know the the number one driver, and yep. to be free is you know we, we need to understand what that looks like. You know, for somebody it's, I don't have to worry about finances and somebody else it's, I don't have to answer to, to a whole boss, Bob, Yeah. you know, yeah. so you need to know these things going into business of what is it that you want? And then understand that that, that vision has to pull you, not push you. And then it, then it's easy. You make decisions and you, as long as you have the data, it's becomes an emotional, like emotional emotions are going to run high and low in business, but it's the same reason we send our franchisees a book week three after they sign called the emotional or the emotional, the entrepreneurial Roller coaster.
0: that, yeah, that's a, that's a great book. Um, like I've actually thought about buying a bunch of copies of that and sending that with the e-myth, yeah. uh, Darren Hardy, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. No, it's great. And, and I mean, you're right. Like everyone has a different definition of freedom and, and everyone has a different vision of what they're looking to accomplish. But until you get clear on that, like you, you shouldn't be, you know, deciding on a business to get into, right? Uh, you know, because having that vision, like you, I love what you said, it should pull you, not push you. And, you know, when when things get tough, and they will, it's that vision that's going to pull you through, right? When yep. you can step back and, and kind of laser focus on the bigger vision, then it makes it much easier to get through the tough days. Yep. Um, and I mean, I love the approach that you're taking. I love that you're having these conversations in Discovery Day, you know, before people are signing and committing. And I know from talking with you, you know, offline, you're not afraid to say no if you don't feel someone's, you know, got the right vision or or that, you know, your business is the right fit for them and vice versa. I mean, when I'm working with people, a lot of times I'll connect with someone and they'll they'll come to me and they'll have like a particular business or a particular industry that they think they want to get into. And, you know, for me, I want to really sit down and spend some serious time making sure I understand what their vision is. And a lot of times I find out that they haven't even put in that much thought to it either. They're not as clear on that vision as they should be. And to me, that's that's step number one. Before we ever talk about industries or specific brands that might be a good fit, like we need to get clear on that vision. And then that's what kind of guides us to then go out and find some opportunities that might might line up with their vision and what they're looking to accomplish. So uh, love love how you're doing that, and and I also know you're you're very intentional about the culture that you're creating yep. within ISI. I mean, and you've talked a lot about leadership and you know wanting to bring in other leaders. So I, I imagine that plays a big role in in culture. But I mean, talk to me a little bit about you know, the culture that you are cultivating there and, and why, you know, in your mind,
1: culture is so important. Yeah. I mean, culture is a shared set of beliefs among Mm -hmm. a group of people. So I think culture runs, it's so important. It's not, it's not, it's not important. It's everything. And if we don't get that piece right, then we have nothing. And so I think that's, you know, even from, that's one thing I've been, very intentional about since 2011 and understanding that because and really the right people, right? So it, it, becomes, it comes down to getting the right people in your organization and scaling to the vision that we have by 2025 is the only way we get there is by having the right people. That's it. Like it's, it's what will multiply and amplify this entire thing. And so um, when we look at culture, it's, Hey, what is our common shared belief system? across our coaches, our sales leaders, our facility leaders, our franchise owners, our HQ team. And that's kind of what we're screaming from the rooftop. Mm-hmm. And it's not a rah rah type thing, but it's like this is the identity of who we are. And, you know, our core values I think is a, a big piece of that. And our core value number one, I think, speaks to entrepreneurship loud and clear is control the controllable. Mm. Is there's Love that. Yeah, there's so much, there's so much we can control, whether it's from the sales process to executing the role play to how many outbound calls are you making to how many hours are you spending grassroots marketing? How much time are you training your teams? Like all of these are controllables that lead to the actions or the the outcome of your success. Um, But on the flip side of that, COVID-19, guess what? You can't control that, but you can manage it. Yep. You know, and so it's really defining those types of things and making sure that we have, we don't have any cancers within the organization and getting rid yeah. of cancers as soon as possible. But we do a pretty, I mean, I'm pretty vocal about that at discovery days, you know, we, and it aligns obviously with the values of the brand being, uh, you know, the name of the brand is iron sharpens iron. So we're attracting growth minded people who want to be around other growth minded people. Um, you know, and, and as we go into it, we're seeing that, some of the best franchisees are, you know, business oriented people that have experience in business or, you know, have ran and led teams before yep. and understand KPIs, understand analytics, understand the importance of that, understands how important sales is, yeah. but has a passion for fitness. And sure. so where a lot of brands, when they, when they emerge is they'll have this, this, this Emerging load of franchisees that are just passionate about fitness, and there's an issue with that because if they don't know how to run a business or they're not coachable enough to really dive in and understand everything I just talked about and knowing your KPIs, knowing the daily actions that it takes, then ultimately they're not going to be profitable and guess what your brand is going to implode and so yeah.
0: yeah you won't you won't ever grow and you won't ever attract you know the the more growth minded Uh, candidates that that you're looking for, because it it just won't validate. And, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with someone that's, you know, looking for an opportunity or or that has a vision that maybe doesn't involve, you know, scaling, you know, in this case, to multiple units and running larger teams. There, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, like we've already talked about, everyone has a different vision. Everyone's yep. definition of freedom is a little bit different, but there there's other opportunities out there for someone that's looking to, you know, accomplish something that maybe doesn't involve such a grand vision. So again, I, you know, I would applaud you for being so intentional about, you know, the culture and who you're looking uh, to bring in. That's going to be a good fit with that culture, because especially, you know, what you're looking for, you know, what you've told us that the the ISI brand stands for, I mean, it's it's a recipe for continuous long-term growth because you get the right people in, they all have a shared vision, the same values, the same core beliefs. That's a group of people that is going to help each other long-term. Yeah. And And this is something that I really try to stress to people that I'm working with because I find it gets overlooked a lot. You know, when people are investigating a franchise, of course, they want to, They want to look at the numbers, right? That's usually like the first thing anyone wants to look at is, you know, how much is it going to cost me? How much do I think I can make? They're doing the calculation and I get that. I mean, the the numbers need to make sense, but a lot of times people overlook the culture piece. Mm -hmm. You know, what's the culture like within this particular franchise and am I going to be a good fit in this culture? Because it's it's not as tangible, right? You can't necessarily put a dollar amount on it, but I've seen firsthand. I mean, I'm I'm involved in two franchises as a franchisee run right now. One's more established, one's more emerging. One has a phenomenal culture. The second one, I, I'm confident it will get there, but that culture is not what it is in the more mature business that we're in, at least not yet. Right. Man, the the benefits that come with being part of a franchise system where there is a strong culture of shared learning and camaraderie amongst the franchisees. I mean, the the franchisor is great. They do a lot to help us out. We get way more benefit from the other franchisees because everyone's going in the same direction, fighting the same battle, and and everyone's willing to help each other out. So, you know, not to get us off on a tangent, but I just wanted to you know, really kind of stress. I think how important it is, especially when you're in the earlier phases of building a franchise like you're doing that you are very intentional about that culture. And it's clear to me, you know, from everything I've seen and, and from hearing you talk, you guys are doing a phenomenal job of that. So, so credit to you.
1: Thanks, man. Yeah. I mean, it too, in the the discussion, like, you can't, it, the vision piece is so important because you can't do your job if you don't know their vision. No, and I can't, and that's the thing is like the, the what we're kind of talking about all the time from the friend dev side is obviously we use the on group but you know Carrie is Carrie and me are hand in hand daily on the phone probably 2 hours a day. Yeah. And yeah. It's we constantly talk about it. It's not it's not sales, it's educating. Like but guess what we can't educate you until we know your vision. Right. If you want to be a single unit, that's cool with us, but you got to know your, like, we just, we got to know your vision. We don't know whether to point you in three units, five units set you up for, to teach you how to get to 10 units. Like if we don't know your vision, then it's, it's impossible for us to to really do our, our process and coaching you on that. And I know it's, it's dang near impossible for you to help them to point them in the right direction of a brand.
0: Yeah. When I'm, when I'm working with someone that, you know, is maybe a little hesitant to kind of you know, put in some of that work up front. I mean, I've I just I've started telling like, look, I I can't add value unless you're willing to put in the work. Like I can't want it more than you want it. Yep. And without me, you know, getting some insight into what it is you're really looking to accomplish, I mean, I'm slightly better than a Google search. Right. (laughs) You know, like I can I can throw a list of franchises at you, but, you know, that's not that's not me adding value. And, you know, honestly, it's not something I'm interested in doing. I want to work with people that are serious about you know, taking a more methodical approach to finding the right business for them and getting clear on that vision is, you know, the number one step in that process. So, um, you know, talk, talk a little bit about, you know, some of the challenges that, you know, you've encountered, whether it was in the early days, you know, before franchising or some of the challenges that you've encountered since you started franchising the business. But I'd love to you know, if you don't mind sharing some specific examples of, you know, speed bumps that you've hit along the way and and how you've been able to navigate
1: around those or overcome them. Yeah. Funny story. So my first, my first speed bump as an entrepreneur, I'm like 15 years old (laughs) and uh, I found this website and they sell fake Jordans. And so I like, I make, I print all these sheets out and I'm like getting them for like six or selling them for 60 I'm buying them for thirty, and uh, I'm going around the school like I'm telling people like, I, 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 "Hey, these are fake. These are fake Jordans." But I can get them at sixty, and they look just like the real thing. Yeah. <laughs> and so, anyways, I, dude, I get like a ten thousand dollar order, and it gets stopped at customs. Oh, and I lose like five Gs as a fifteen year old, and so. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. You can imagine how that that went. And I wasn't telling mom and dad at the same time. So yeah.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be either uh, if I was in your shoes. So so what happened? Did you end up getting the shoes or did they hold
1: them at customs? They held them and sent them back. Or I don't even think they sent them back because they're obviously IP infringement. So I think they just destroyed them.
0: Either that, or there's a bunch of uh, customs workers rocking fake Jordans. Yeah, that's right. There were. They've probably fallen apart since then. But um, so, what did you end up doing? Did you refund the money? Or
1: yeah, I had to. and and got a little loan from mom and dad. I'm sure I had to to do some some nasty chores for about a year. But no uh, doubt, no doubt. That was funny. Um, But as far as ISI, I mean, it's you know the the first year was just being a young entrepreneur and really learning how to how how to do business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, the drive, the work ethic, the, the vision was always there. It was just a matter of, um, uh, how do I do that? And and really the, the one thing that I look back on is I, I always now instead of I'd say in my early days, I, I looked at how instead of who, and now I've mm-hmm. reversed that and I say who instead of how. So I know for instance, that. You know, who, who can, who, who's that person that can teach me to get from point A to point B faster instead yeah, of yeah. learning how to do it myself. And there's in the early days of entrepreneurship, like I know Photoshop, like I know all of these things because I couldn't hire a graphic designer. I couldn't hire a videographer, couldn't do these things. And so I had to be resourceful. Um, but that's been one of the, the cool things is to really transform from, you know, looking at how do I do this to who do I know and collapsing timelines Um, I think another big road bump was, you know, essentially the learn, like truly learning like what our KPIs were. And -hmm. when I went from, um, three locations to four is when I, there was a major gap. So all of our sales dropped at those locations back in 2016. And I really had to identify why. And the, 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 reason was it was built around Adam Rice. It wasn't mm. built around the systems and processes, right? And so that's what we went to work for over the next three years was building systems and processes that it's not about Adam Rice. It's not about Adam Rice, motivating people to drive sales. It's about the systems and processes and the culture of the brand and the identity of the brand. So,
0: so I, I want to have you talk a little bit more about, you know, the systems and processes and, and really just kind of at the end of the day, you know, what, what maybe even just slightly differentiates your brand from some of the other, you know, what from the outside may look like similar concepts. I mean, I think to me, the the glaringly obvious differentiator is the the culture. I mean and, and as we've already talked about, that's important. Uh it's so important. But you know, before we do that, I wanna, you know, in terms of just kind of things that you've learned throughout your entrepreneurial journey, you talked earlier about, you know, having to really Learn how to become a leader, yeah. um, and and I think that's a common struggle, right, for a lot of entrepreneurs or even aspiring entrepreneurs. It may even be something that's holding people back from right. you know taking that first step. So, you know, what are some of the things that you were able to do to to learn how to become a better leader? You know, or there are certain books you read, certain people that you listened to. I mean, how did you go about uh, you know sharpening your leadership skills?
1: yeah i think like for one when you talk about like the the fear uncertainty and doubt i think that that applies to leadership and it it takes you know it takes a level of risk and and i think the the more courageous positions you put yourself in the more confidence you gain and so Mm. the more the the more um, conversations that are difficult to have the the more confident you gain in that the more risk you take the more confident you gain yeah um and so with with kind of what leads me in a lot of my decisions today is what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. And at this point I have so much self-confidence that I can go get a job, a sales job and I can support my family. So that's why I continue to reinvest and take risk after risk after risk after risk, because what's the worst that can happen? I go bankrupt. Cool. Like whatever, I'll figure it out. But I think it's that unwavering self-confidence that is it, I wasn't born with that. And I didn't have that when I first went into business, but it's, you get more mature through time and taking risks and understanding calculated risk and taking an analytical approach. And I think that also relays back to leadership. And so, you know, my big thing is I'm always trying to put myself in ecosystems and atmospheres of who I want to be like. Mm. So for instance, like, when I first got into franchising, there's Charlotte's a pretty big franchising community, and there's yeah, a lot yeah. of brands around here. Yep. Um, I went to those founders and CEOs and just say, "Hey, can I pick your brain for an hour?" And in that moment, it's like, man, I I just probably saved myself three years of struggles <laughs> by them saying, "Don't do this." Right. You know, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So it's it's that piece, but and standing like understanding what it is that you want, you know, like yeah. it, whether it's the one thing we challenge all of our owners is what are the three ways you want your facility to feel like at all times non-negotiable and every facility can feel different but feel is how you make people feel is is are they going to continue coming back how you lead people how you make them feel are that's very important so the feel piece of leadership is you know, if someone comes in and they're constantly negative or if they have bad body language or if they're dragging in with a freaking monster and they're rubbing their eyes, that doesn't make anybody feel good. No, no one's going to be motivated to crush a workout. Right. You know, so it's, that's, that's a big piece of it is just communicating those things and not being afraid to communicate it, but communicating it with empathy and compassion. Um, But I always link back, you got to know your vision to have the courage to communicate those things.
0: Yeah. So I mean, what I'm hearing is as a leader, understand your vision, have the confidence to keep moving forward. Uh, That's going to build more confidence. And then really what you're doing there is you're leading by example, right? When your team sees you taking risk and having confidence in yourself. And, you know, like you said, continuing to reinvest money, not being afraid of what the worst case scenario is, you know, that just kind of has a snowball effect. And then everyone around you, you know, you're kind of lifting everyone else that's, that's, you know, working underneath you or that you're leading. Um, yeah. so, so I love that. And, and yeah, it's so much of what we've talked about today comes back to vision. So, um, so, and I, I should have probably had you do this earlier in the, the episode. So sorry for not doing it, but I mean, tell us like what type of a workout is, is ISI. I mean, what are people getting? I mean, Uh, now there's a lot of different fitness concepts out there with specialized type workouts. So what is kind of the, the workout that someone can expect to get when they come to an ISI location?
1: Yeah, it's, so we call it athletic based training. So ABT really the, uh, the philosophy behind it. So it's boutique fitness, uh, 3000 square foot, you know, same, same footprints as kind of all the other ones. There's turf running down the middle. There's a level of, of grit and clean edginess to the brand. Um, it's why we attract a lot of males. So in the boutique space, you know, typically you're more 70, 30, yeah. 80, 20. female. Lotties, yoga spin. Yeah. We're, we're 60, that. 40 female to male uh, across the board as a brand, okay. which is pretty unique. Um, but it's athletic based training, meaning, you know, athletes typically are the most mobile people. They have the best flexibility. They have the lowest body fat percent. They're the strongest. And so why not train everybody under modified conditions like an athlete, you Mm -hmm. know, and that's really our approach is, is that's exactly what we do after every workout uh, we break down as any college or high school team would. Um, And it's just a very team-based atmosphere, which is interesting because just from a lot of market analysis, like people don't come to us for community like that actually scares the crap out of people and and it makes sense right you got a 40 year old female three kids lacks self-confidence hasn't worked out in 15 years you know wondering am I going to throw up am I going to puke like, like am I going to trip over myself like all of these are real thoughts sure yeah and so going into this team atmosphere like that scares the freaking crap out of them so yeah. through all of our market like it's really results based training so like hey people are coming to us to alleviate some sort of pain they have in their life. They're overweight, they lack energy, yada, yada, yada. The reason they stay, though, is because of the community and the culture. Mm, I love that. So
0: is this like a group class setting or are people yeah. coming in? Is it just kind of free form, whatever you want to, you know, work out? Or you've got like a, a trainer leading a class and everyone's kind of going through the same workout, but maybe at their own pace or to their
1: own level of ability? Yeah. So very similar to some of the other concepts like OTF f 45, like you're going to have a coach leading the workout. Gotcha. Uh, Anywhere from 24 to 32 people in that workout of all different fitness levels, really all different ages as well. And then there's modifications for, for all the different movements. We kind of segment people into blocks so the flow of the workout works. Um, And it's a, a way that we can, you know, fit, twenty four twenty eight thirty people in a session energy's through the roof music's incredibly high yeah um, it's like a I always say it, it, when it's done right, you go into it, you feel like you're in a division one uh, weightlifting room yeah i mean i've seen some of the videos you know that you guys have
0: online and and it's definitely a high energy atmosphere and I mean yeah. we talked about this offline, but I know you've got you know a location actually two locations in development here in the Wilmington area where I am so uh, definitely introduced me to the, uh, local franchisee and, uh, I'm going to sign up. I can't wait to go, to go try it. I'm a, uh, I'm a workout at home kind of guy, but I I think I do a lot of the same type of training that, that ISI is built around. I mean, I love, you know, my kettlebells. I love my battle ropes. I love, you know, a lot of body weight stuff and I'm always trying to do full body. Like you're not going to catch me doing leg day or chest day or, or any of that. Cause like, what do I need to be swole for? I got two kids. I just need to be able to keep up with them, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. so that's, that's yeah. what I'm working for. But, um, it, you know, the, the working out alone, like there's times when I enjoy that, you know, I'll yep. usually put my, my earbuds in and listen to a book or a podcast or something while I'm working out. And it's like some good, you know, kind of me time. I get a lot of thinking and stuff like that done and just gives me some clarity. But that being said, like not having that, kind of community like that's definitely something i know uh, i'm missing out on as well so you know i'd love to have like a, a better combination of that um and like me and a couple of my neighbors have started getting up 530 three days a week and working yeah. out in one of my neighbor's garage and that was probably four months ago we started so it's starting to kind of look like a mini crossfit gym almost because yeah. we keep you know acquiring all this different equipment and and that alone has been refreshing for me like having so I totally get what you're saying with the, the community. And even if that's not what people come for, they end up really enjoying that. And I would imagine there's a lot of great friendships
1: that, that form, 100%. you know, through marriages, marriage. Really? Like, I, yeah. I think no we've way. had five to six marriages out of in the <laughs> past four to five years. That's crazy. awesome. That's yeah. so cool. Um, well, you ought to get, uh, you know, what is it? Not
0: ordained. What's the word I'm thinking of so that you can. Uh, uh, yeah.
1: So one did one got married on the turf. No way. Yeah, yeah. It's wild.
0: Yeah, that is cool. Um, Well, I mean, super exciting opportunity. I mean, you know, and I don't typically get into like numbers and stuff on this podcast, but, you know, from what I've seen, it's a fantastic opportunity all the way around. But, you know, for me, when I'm looking at franchise businesses and I see hundreds of them, right, one of the first things I always want to understand is, who's the leadership of the company, what's the culture like, and what's their vision for, you know, where they want to take it. Because those are things that I know my candidates are not always going to pick up on or are going to be looking at as closely. So for me to introduce someone to a brand and say, Hey, based on getting to know you and based on me understanding your vision, this is a brand I think could really be interesting for you. Like I want to be very confident that that brand is the real deal. And as long as my person goes in and puts their head down and does the work, you know, they have a very high likelihood of being successful. And so, I mean, I can see that loud and clear, you know, coming from from you and, and ISI. So I uh, can't speak highly enough of the opportunity. Um, and before we wrap up, I want to make sure you share with everyone where they can go to learn more about ISI and connect with you. But before we do that, I mean... You, you've already shared so much, uh, I think, valuable information in this conversation. But, you know, any kind of parting words or final advice for the aspiring entrepreneur out there, someone that, you know, has this drive, they, their vision, you know, revolves around doing something, building something for themselves, but they're stuck. You know, maybe it's the FUD that's holding them back. Maybe it's just they don't think they're going to be a, a good leader uh, whatever. I mean, like we said, there's a million reasons, right? But any advice for that aspiring entrepreneur that's just stuck and doesn't quite know how to get started?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'd say, you know, what we've talked about kind of the theme of this whole bar- <laughs> podcast is what what's your vision? Like if you don't know yeah. your vision, you're going to stay stuck. So yeah. you've got to, you've got to stop looking at opportunities, stop looking at just stop what you're doing and look at what your vision is because, it gets very easy to start to make decisions when you know what your vision is and you're committed to your vision. Um, that, that would be number one. I think number two would be what's the worst thing that can happen. You know, whether you're a corporate employee right now or whether you're in, uh, in sales right now, well, guess what? Those jobs will always be there and you have that job today. Mm-hmm. And if you go take a risk and bet on yourself and God forbid it fails, guess what? you still are going to be in the place where you're at today. Maybe you lost some money, but guess what? You can't take money with you where you go. So I think that's the way I always look at things is what's, what's the absolute worst thing that can happen. And really I would say the biggest bottleneck is people going from good to great because there's so many people I meet that have exactly what you're talking about as the FUD. They're making six figures, but they're miserable. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, at the end of the day, like you, you're living a good life right now. You're living a comfortable life, but you're not living a happy life. Yeah. So what's the point? Yeah. What is the freaking point? Like I would rather, I don't know. I'm, I'm big on, I I was sitting in this Vistage meeting about three years ago and there was this guy multi millionaire, presenting and he, I I was the youngest. I think I was 20, whatever, 28, 27 in the room. And he looks straight at me and he just starts crying. And he said, Adam, the one thing that I regret most of my life is I was not at my kids' soccer games. I was always uh-huh. traveling. And he's like, I don't even I didn't even know my kids until they were 18. And I was like, God dog. <laughs> like yeah, I just got yeah. choked up. I'm like, man, wow. like, that's such valuable. But it, it it is. It's like that to me, that's the benefit of I've got three kids. That's the benefit of of ownership is I, I, if I want to go, I go, Yeah, there's no one telling me I can't go. And so it's, it's, it's powerful. And for a 60, 65 year old guy to be sitting in that moment, crying with living with regret, and he's what most people would say successful was, it was life changing for me. I agree. I mean, that, that is powerful. And, you know, I, I like what you
0: said about, you know, really stopping to think, all right, what's the worst case scenario? And, you know, my, my loyal listeners of the podcast are probably tired of hearing me, you know, talk about this, but I'm a huge Tim Ferriss fan and he's got this Ted talk. I don't know if you've seen it. He did, it was, I I don't know, five or six years old now, but he calls it fear setting. So he explains this whole exercise that he goes through when he's struggling with a decision. And and basically it boils down to identify the worst case scenario. And then you kind of play it out. All right. So number one, like how likely is it that the worst case scenario actually plays out? Usually it's not very likely at all. Secondly, right. if you really stop and think about it, the worst case scenario is usually not all that bad, kind of like what you were just explaining. And then thirdly, he's like, all right, if the worst case scenario does play out, what can I do to get back to where I am today? And usually that's fairly easy in itself too. Yeah. Um, so like if you just take the time to really kind of think about it, uh, usually it, it, it's not as scary as, it, as our minds initially make it out to be the other thing, you know, so I, I love the advice you got from the, the older gentleman, you know, about regret and, and kind of, you know, where he spent his time. You know, I've started looking through a bit of a different lens too, because I got some similar advice, but it was, you know, don't miss what, you don't want to come to the end of your life and regret all of the opportunities you didn't take. Right. So that's the other thing I've started, you know, not only doing in my own life, but also with the people that I work coaching them like, yeah, you want to understand the worst case scenario of if you do this and it goes wrong. But also, what's the worst case scenario of if you don't do it? You know, Mm -hmm. what's the opportunity cost if you just stay put? You know, that five years down the road, 10 years down the road, you're in the same spot you're in today. Well, you started this process for a reason. Right. So, again, getting clear on that vision to me, there's a lot more risk in not taking action and never taking steps towards accomplishing that vision or making that vision a reality than there is with what happens if I try
1: this and it, it doesn't work out, you know, exactly as planned. So um, it, it, It's so interesting too, because it, as as people are coming through the process, so many, and I don't know, you know, how often you talk about this, but with franchising with any business but especially with franchising because of the credibility and backbone of the brand of yeah. any brand not isi just any brand in in all of franchising is most people don't even really get to the point of thinking like I'm building an asset at the same time so <laughs> most people are so focused on the cash flow basis I'm like yeah, guys yeah. if you go open facility A and it's I don't know, theoretically kicking off $150,000 a year. Well, because you're part of a franchise, number one, it's going to be easier to sell that asset. Yep. Number two, you're going to get more value for that asset. Yep. And now all of a sudden you've turned, you've tripled your investment while doing the thing that you want to do and getting the cash flow you want. And so, so many people forget that fact is like, if they're looking at $3 million, not only are they building the cash flow and the freedom for their life that way, but- in six years from now, if you want to sell it, you have an asset there. <laughs>
0: you know, it's so true. People overlook that all the time. And, and also, like, when their mind is conjuring up these worst-case scenarios, like, I'll, I'll kind of have to stop people sometimes and be like, all right, so, like, what I'm hearing is you're basically assuming, like, hey, I'm going to do this franchise and I'm going to open and, and I'm never going to, like, sell anything. <laughs> right. Like, right. Wh- wh- what are the odds of that really happening? Like you would have to actively be trying to not be successful right. in most cases when people are kind of playing their, their worst case scenarios out. So, but you know, that's what the process is all about, right? It's understanding yep. obviously the business, but you know, it's really the way I explain it to people is, and you said this earlier, it's a mutual evaluation, right? But you know, if you're a prospective franchisee conducting due diligence the biggest thing you're trying to understand is who am I partnering with right Mm -hmm. and then it comes down to two things do I have confidence in the person I'm partnering with or the franchisor and then secondly do I have confidence in myself to execute uh, and perform the role of the franchise owner in this particular business model right Um, and and you know, not again to get off on a tangent, but you mentioned something earlier that's, you know, near and dear to me, which is control the controllables. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of stoic philosophy. I like reading, you know, some of the, the stoic philosophy because that's what it all centers around is, you know, focus on the things you can control and don't let the things outside of your control, you know, derail you basically. And, you know, when I'm talking to people, to me, the biggest thing about understanding whether or not a particular franchise business is a good fit for you is, you know, beyond the culture and, you know, confidence in who you're partnering with, figure out what the levers are. That's how I think of it as levers, right? Because these are the things that as the franchise owner, you have the ability to control or to impact. And usually there's only a handful yeah. Of of like really powerful levers that if you pull on them, they're going to improve the financial performance of the business. Yep. Everything else is uncontrollables or they're just not that big of a deal at the end of the day. I mean, I talk to people and they get caught up on the fact that, well, this franchise has a 7% royalty and this one has 5%. I'm like, right. it doesn't matter. Right. You yep. can't control the royalty. There's nothing you can do that's going to, you know, make the royalty go away. Like, you just need to understand what are the levers you can pull. And guess what? The franchise with the higher royalty, those particular levers, you might be better suited to pull on those in the right way to get better results. And you may do significantly better even though you're paying 2% more. I mean, it's just yep. an example. But, you know, yeah. that's, I think, the way to to kind of look at it in terms of control the controllable. So, anyways, one of the... Make sure I circled back to that because that was something that that stood out to me when you said it, but um man, I can't tell you, I really appreciate you know you taking the time to do this. I know anyone who listens is going to get a ton of value from it. I've enjoyed you know hearing your story, getting to know you a little bit I've definitely enjoyed you know kind of following i s i and uh, I'm excited for you guys man. I'm excited to see where this thing goes, and I'm a believer in the brand I'm a believer in you and. Uh, everything that you're doing, man. So uh, keep up the great work. You're definitely an inspiration. Um, before I let you go, I have a quick lightning round. It's four questions that I ask every guest that comes on yeah. the podcast. And then I want to make sure you tell people where they can connect with you and learn more about ISI. But um, And you, know, you may have already kind of alluded to this earlier, but first question of the lightning round is simply, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? And that could be business advice or just general life advice?
1: Uh, The one that resonates is is don't count the days, make the days count. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. That's slick. Yeah, that's
0: good. Um, Curious about this, especially with kids, because I just had my second kid. He's like three months old right now. So my morning routine has been shot. Um, But I'm curious, do you have any sort of a morning routine? Anything that you try to do every morning that primes yourself for a successful day?
1: Yeah, ninety-nine percent of days work work out and beat 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 the clock by five AM. Love it. I yep. love it. So I'm trying to I'm trying to get four, there for something I'm good. But yeah, like I feel like I'm late if it's past five.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to get there. I'm like uh, at least a few days a week I'm making like five fifteen working out. You got to give
1: yourself some grace, dude. You got a, uh, a three month old.
0: (laughs) Yeah. He's been, uh, he's been kicking our butts a little bit. It's, uh, it's all worth it, but man, the, uh, the sleep has been hard to come by here lately. Um, not sure if you're a reader or not. You mentioned entrepreneur Roller Coaster. That's a great book. Uh, but I'm curious what book you might be reading right now.
1: Yeah. So I finished, uh, traction, um, which is another one that, that we send our, our franchisees, but yeah. Really I'm really in a season right now uh, of application okay um, so I'll go through and I don't know if, if you go through this at all, but I'll go through like a season of just assuming 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 mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, not assuming consuming yep um, and, and then I'll go through a season of just applying, 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 so I'm kind of in that season right now where rapid growth I'm, I'm in and around this and and just trying to apply all the things that I've taken in, no doubt,
0: yeah, no for sure, and I think it's uh I think it's smart to like understand that. Right. I mean, cause I used to, and still do sometimes like beat myself up a little bit. It'd be like, you know, I haven't, uh, you know, been reading as much as I was lately, but you know, right. there, there are different seasons and different times you're going to call for, you know, different efforts on, on your part in terms of where you're spending your time. So no man, totally get that. But traction, fantastic book, you know, to talk about culture, creating culture within an organization, you know, tractions up there at the top of the list. Um, so, all right, man. Final question is what is your definition of freedom and are you living it?
1: Yeah. So I think freedom to me is doing what I want when I want how I want. Yeah. Um, and, and am I living it? Yes. Because I can do what I want when I want, how I want to. Um, I'm just in right now I'm in a season of, again, just, I'm in the the weeds, which is good. It's yeah. You know, but if to, if, Tonight, I said I wanted to go on a 12-week RV trip. I could do it. And I think that's just the fact that you can. That's To me, that's freedom. Not that Absolutely. you will, but the fact that you can.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, man. I love it. Well, again, you're an inspiration, man. Keep doing everything you're doing. Where can people connect with you if they want to learn more about you? Where can people go to learn more about ISI? If they want to you know, find out where you have locations open and consider – you know, becoming a member, where can they go to learn more about the franchise opportunity?
1: Yeah. Easiest place is just isielitetraining.com. There's obviously a locations tab on there. There's also a franchise information tab on there. Uh, And then my email is pretty simple, Adam at isielitetraining. And uh, and then also pretty, uh, these guys give me crap, but I'm pretty active on LinkedIn as well.
0: Yeah, he is, um, which is awesome. I mean, you got a lot of things to be on LinkedIn talking about these days. So, uh, look, we'll link all that in the show notes, man. But uh, really, again, appreciate the time. Uh, really glad we were able to work this out. So uh, sure. I, I can't wait to watch what you guys do the rest of 2021 and beyond. But uh, thanks for dropping in with me on the Path to Freedom podcast.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Wes. You yeah, mean All right, well.
0: That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at www.path2frdm.com and if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello, feel free to contact me at Wes at number 2 frdmcom Thanks again. Now go drop in.